Hey, B. Yes? Have you heard? Heard what? Winter is coming. Oh my god. Is Game of Thrones coming back? Are they redoing season eight? No, just regular winter. Oh. I'm going to need two things then. Warm feet and coffee in my belly. I think I got just the thing for you. Oh yeah? Yeah. We've got some amazing partnerships with two companies, Smartass Undies and Cafe Hacienda Rio. Smartass Undies is a small business committed to saving the planet and your mindset. They're engineered from recycled materials to produce sustainable and super comfy underwear and socks. Motivation is perishable and needs refreshing every day, just like your undies and socks. Every time I look down at my feet, I see words like gratitude and self-discipline and integrity, and it just keeps me going. Tell them about the coffee, Dante. Oh, I've got coffee for you. Cafe Hacienda Real Coffee from Costa Rica. This micro roastery is just outside of San Jose. We found it a couple of years ago when we were in Costa Rica. They small batch roast a custom blend of pea berry and Arabica beans. You can pick your roast type and whether or not you want it ground or whole bean. And then they will ship to order exactly what you want. Now we've got a couple of offer codes for our listeners for Smart Ass Undies. We have uh, links in the show notes to get to the website. And when you, once you get there, you're going to use the code CHEATINGONFEAR10 for 10% off your order. And for the Hacienda Real Coffee, you're going to go to goldenbean.net and use the promo code COFCHR20 for 10% off your order. Kick Winter's ass. It is. Welcome back, everyone. Wherever you were, (laughs) we're here. That's none of our business. No, you were somewhere else. What do we do today? This week, we have a very special episode for you. I don't know. I kind of fangirled a bit, I think, on this one. Yeah, this was somebody that, I mean, long before the podcast was a thing, Mm -hmm. you were aware of this author. Yes. And his writing. Yes. What was his name? Uh, this week we interviewed James Fell. James Fell. And I first became aware of him probably, I want to say like five or six years ago. Okay. When he was a fitness blogger. And he's got this sort of acerbic, is that a word? Yeah, that's a word. Sweary, no bullshit kind of way about his writing. Yeah. And... As someone who was in the fitness industry, it really appealed to me. And he would cut through a lot of the gimmicky industrial wellness complex kind of garbage, snake oil garbage. Yeah. And so I appreciated his writing then. And so I've always kind of followed him and enjoyed his writing. And then um, when we tripped over the Manosphere, unfortunately, in the summertime. What? What? Using like the royal we there (laughs) is there a royal we well there is but in this case the queen says we yeah but that's not we la reina is no we did not we did not trip on the manosphere i tripped on the beatrice fell face first into the manosphere again and again and again 
Oh, fuck puddle. I love that. That's one of James's words. He just oh. makes up his own words. Yep. Oh, was, was fuck puddle James's? That's his. Yeah. Yeah, that's his. See, I mean. I know. Like, it's everywhere. He's. Yeah. He's, he's good. He's everywhere. So he actually became aware of the Manosphere while he was doing his fitness writing and his fitness blogging because there was a lot of misogyny and, and sexism and some of this you know, bro bullshit. Surprise, surprise, Jim bro culture. Yeah, but but he did say, he did say like, you know, not not everybody, mm. but some. Mm-hmm. Like, not all men, but some men. But some men. He's very good at the Twitter. Mm-hmm. And so he sort of takes these guys on on Twitter and, and there was one that just kind of went apeshit viral, the best kind of viral mm-hmm. you could imagine. Like front page or Reddit. And now he is writing... Uh, sweary history so um he's had a column on facebook for the last eight months or so called a daily yeah daily yeah yeah, on this day in history shit went down and it is so great it tells these great stories about snapshots in history that a lot of people don't know the real story Mm -hmm. and he's actually coming out with a book Mm -hmm. um, hopefully in time for the first anniversary of this um daily entry yeah and uh he wanted it in time for mother's day Such a, look at these you know he's looking out for all the moms out there he is yeah and so he's a real champion for for equality and feminism and you know really sticking it to these these guys that are just you know yeah he is not afraid to call throw him. it right back call him no, out and throw it right no. back at yeah him. no yeah. He, he's probably He's probably the king of call out right now and just great. And so we finally got a chance to talk to him mm-hmm. and it was really, really great. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode because we certainly enjoyed having a chat with him. And uh, yeah, so enjoy everyone. Enjoy. All right. And we are welcoming James Fell to the podcast. Hey, James. Hello. It's very nice to have you. We're so excited. We've we've invoked your name quite a few times mm-hmm. on our podcast, so it's really really nice to to have you. Well, hopefully it wasn't generating too much profanity in response. <laughs> oh, we love profanity. Oh it's yeah. <laughs> so, <Okay. laughs> I yeah. Oh, you know what? We have. You can swear all you want. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's in in fact the more the better. We would appreciate that. I have actually been following you for quite a long time from, I was a fan of your fitness blogging Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a a fitness person too. I'm a kinesiologist by training Mm -hmm. and a bit of a history buff as well and an enemy of the manosphere. So we figured (laughs) you were a perfect, a perfect, uh, triple threat guest. (laughs) Absolutely. And so I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about, some of the those different aspects and and how you moved through those those spaces and you wouldn't think that they're related but i think there's a lot of things in common especially the swearing the swearing will go through all of those things <laughs> so can you tell us about how you came to how you found fitness and got into fitness blogging in the first place i you know had the personal transformation myself and having witnessed my mother's repeated failed efforts at weight loss came to realize that, you know, the, the, the diet fads and and all the quick and easy messaging was very toxic. So when it came time for me to try and lose weight, 
I just thought I, I took a very, I didn't read any books. I didn't, um, I didn't, you know, em, embrace any type of fad diets or anything like that. I just thought, well, I've got free access to this gym at university. So I'll just start working out a lot and I'll, I'll stop eating fast food all the time and I'll drink less beer. And miraculously, my body transformed. Wow. <laughs> it, it took a lot of hard work. It took a lot of time, but that's that what worked. And then many years later, uh, when I was pushing 40 and, you know, working as a marketing executive and had really developed a love for writing, thought I, I would like to be a full time writer. And I thought about writing a novel and realized actually almost nobody makes a living at that. And I thought, I want to make a living as a writer. And I thought, and I'd come to learn a lot about fitness. So that, that was where I decided to do it was because I saw that there was potential to actually make it a decent living at it. And within a year, I was the fitness columnist for the LA times. I, I guess just the type of voice that I had, the, the no bullshit, sarcastic, humorous voice really took off. And, and very quickly I, I established myself as a popular fitness writer. And then the, uh, the transition to sort of talking about the whole manosphere thing, it was actually, I didn't realize it at first, but, but in hindsight, it was very relevant because there was so much, I mean, big surprise, there's so much toxic masculinity in workout culture. And Absolutely. I was one of the people that really led the charge against the term alpha male, because it really... Uh, it, it was something that I hated early on. It just like, rah, it just, it, it made me want to puke it, it, as being this, this toxic kind of bullshit. And yet it was a popular marketing gimmick to young men is be an alpha male, work out, get buff, get ripped, get the chicks, all that kind of shit. And, and I was really disgusted with it, but I, I was also for the first four or five years that I was a fitness writer, my, political social opinions were hidden. I kept them to myself because I was trying to appeal to everyone. And, uh, and then there was one transformative event, which was the, um, the Elliot Roger massacre in uh, Isla Verde. I think it was Isla Verde in in California. Mm -hmm. This, this self-proclaimed, he was an incel an involuntary celibate and had done all the pickup artistry stuff, desired to be an alpha male, wrote a hundred thousand word manifesto about how much he hated women and all that kind of shit. And I'd been looking into this whole incel men's rights stuff for a while. I was definitely aware of it because it was all related to the alpha male crap. And I, something in me snapped and I said, I, I can't, not write about this anymore. So I wrote a blog post that went on a tirade that was called the myth of the alpha male. And I great article, by the way, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll link to it in the show notes. It's, I, it's great. Yeah. And the, that piece that included some stuff about men's rights activists and it blew up. Surprisingly, there was a lot of young men from the fitness industry, guys in their early twenties who were trainers that followed me that loved the piece and shared it and said, yeah, James nailed it. So that, that was actually quite refreshing. Oh, wow. And of course, yeah, the, you know, guys that I wouldn't necessarily have thought would have liked it were just as sick of that crap as I was. Cause you'd think about the fitness industry as sort of the birthplace of bro culture. Yeah. You think that there'd be a lot of pushback from that, but you didn't find that. Well, there was some, but what surprised me was the amount of acceptance that there mm. was. 
I mean, of course, you know, there was a lot of women that thought it was great, but I was just surprised there was these young, you know, early, mid 20 guys that, that really liked it. And I was like the, the fitness guys that were sharing it. And I was like, oh, well, that's awesome. So that, that bit of positive feedback continued to push me. But what ended up happening next was the, um, the executive editor for Time Magazine got in touch and said, I loved your piece because it ended up, you know, blowing up all over the internet. And uh, she got me to write some stuff about men's rights activists. And so I, I did a piece on them and that really blew up because those guys are toxic as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and I got so much hate mail and was instantly put on their radar as one of the bad guys, which I don't give a shit, fuck them. Um, but... That's kind of the point, right? Like it's, I, I, I've been blocked by a few of those guys and it's, it's always a good day when you get blocked by like- <laughs> So beach, satisfying. Beach muscles or Anthony Johnson. I was instantly on Paul Elam's radar and he uh, was like the head MRA guy. So he started writing about me and what a piece of shit I am for, you know, thinking that women are equal. And actually the day that the article was published in Time Magazine, they, they mentioned it briefly. One guy mentioned it briefly on CNN television saying, you know, there's a great article in Time Magazine today about what it means to be a, what it really means to be a man or something to that effect. From that day forward, I became a lot more vocal speaking out against the fitness industry, the, like the toxic masculinity in it and the sexism and the bigotry and all that kind of stuff. And then I just sort of evolved more. I'd always written about motivation. I evolved more toward general motivation. I wrote a book about the science of the life-changing epiphany called the called Holy, Holy Shit, Shit Moment. Moment. Yeah. And, you know, there was a lot of very, uh, if you've read the book, there's some very progressive stances taken in that book. It's not just a science book about transformative life-changing experiences. It talks either one of, one of the key interviews in the piece is a compassionate interview with a trans woman who had her holy shit moment about her gender identity because she had been raised small town Republican Catholic where transgender was not a term that was even part of her vocabulary. She didn't know that that was a thing. And then she suddenly realized that, Hey, I'm a woman. And you know, there was also an interview with Catherine Switzer, the first woman to run the Boston marathon. Mm -hmm. And, and so this was a, a book that while talking about a specific subject, didn't shy away from sharing all of these, you know, libtard, <laughs> excuse me, I'm, I'm quoting what others would say. Right. Uh, but but the, these more liberal social justice warrior type of ideas. And then I was thinking about what I was going to do next, what was going to be my next book. And uh, I wasn't really excited about any of the ideas. You know, I'd written one weight loss book and, and one sort of self-help motivation book. And I'd been doing that for, you know, 10 years and 11 years. And, uh, and then COVID hit and, and I was out for a bike ride, just, you know, th this was back in April and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to, where I wanted to go with my career. And the thing is, the thing that made me a writer in the first place was getting a master's degree in history. So I'd done a bachelor's and a master's degree and written tons and tons of history papers. I'd wanted to become a history professor. 
and but you know it, it didn't really work out from a career perspective i decided to get an mba instead after doing my masters in history but on this bike ride it was i remember the day it was april 17th uh it popped into my head that i could just write this profanity filled sarcastic <laughs> on this day in history piece and post it on my facebook page because i've got this popular facebook page and I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that. So I went home and I, I looked up what happened the next day, what happened on April 18th. And I found something to do with Martin Luther, Protestant Reformation kind of shit with the, the Deity of Worms and dashed something off and, and posted it the next day. And it was moderately popular. And the day after that, I, I, I thought, well, I'm going to do another one. And I did one about um, Mae West being arrested for corrupting the morals of youth because of, you know, puritanical bullshit. And, uh, and that one really blew up. And after that, just after writing two of them, uh, I decided, okay, I'm going to do a full year. This is, this is going to be a book. And, uh, and I'm going to make sure that, that I do one every single day and, and turn it into a book. And fuck fitness, fuck, <laughs> you know, self-help, motivational right, stuff. Right. I'm done with that. This is, this is what I'm doing from now on. It was, you know, my, my previous book was about, the power of transformative experiences. That was a transformative experience where I decided, yeah, that that other genres, I'm not writing about that anymore. I'm a history writer from now on. And so I I collected a month's worth of data and there was uh, there was a million readers in the first month. And I told my agent and he said, oh yeah, this is a smart pivot because my last book, The Holy Shit Moment was a mediocre seller. And he said, this is a great idea. You should definitely continue on with this. Mm -hmm. And after six months, it was up to almost 5 million readers a month. And my, my Facebook page was at like, it took me 10 years to get to 80,000 followers. And then over the next six months, I got 45,000 more. Wow. So it, uh, it just really took off. And, and, but the same thing is that although I was writing these daily history posts about something that happened on this day, the same liberal social justice, pro-feminism, anti-misogyny, anti-bigotry messaging permeates all of it because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, and, and a lot of stuff that goes against, you know, the, the various types of religious fuckery and colonialism and all that crap that the world has suffered through that is, uh, is almost every piece make some type of statement designed to piss off a Trump voter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that's, we, we read it every day. I, I know I do. And I, and I appreciate it. <laughs> and, and I, and I think what's so striking about it is that history is always written by the winners. Yeah. And you dig into the parts that people don't know. Like we're watching The Crown right now and we just read your, an entry about how, how much of a racist Winston Churchill was. <laughs> like even when it was, even at a time when it was okay to be a racist, like everybody was a yeah. racist then. And it yeah, was, it was, bad. it was really bad. And he made and them, he made them kind of go, oh, ew. <laughs> And I, I think that's, that is what, why it blows up is that you have this unique perspective yeah. and this ability to cut through the bullshit. And you've had a lot of practice. Like I've been in the fitness industry for a long time. There's a lot of bullshit in the fitness industry. Oh and yeah. 
you know, and in your book, you open your your lose it right book with a rejection letter. Yeah. An example of rejection letter because it's it's not and basically it was like it's too sensible and measured. So it's not going to sell. Like it's yeah. it's like it's not Kim Kardashian selling pills, so it's not going to work. Yeah. And and your ability to kind of cut through all that is brought forward into your into your sweary history and it's just it's awesome to learn what's really gone down and look past what we've been told over and over and over again. Yeah, it, it's and the thing is like a lot of the it, it's it's both surface level and it's not. I mean, e- each of these is designed to fit on a single page of a book because the book is is forthcoming just last week. Um, so the books I've been publishing them since April eighteenth every day, right. and so that's uh, coming up on almost eight months worth published. But the first draft is done. I've I'm more than four months ahead and I've started editing them now. So the, the book is, is I I'm actually trying to get the book out, which is called on this day in history, shit went down um, for the day I had the epiphany that I needed to write this column. So it's, I am hoping that it will be published April 17th. And I decided to self publish this time. Nice. Uh, mostly due to issues of speed, wanting to get it out there. So I've hired a copy editor and we'll see if we can get it out by April 17th. Cause I, there's so many, so many women that follow the page. Two thirds of my readers are women that, that I want it to be available as a mother's day present and they can say, Hey, get me for mother's day, but, but I'm not sure if it's going to be right. We'll, we'll see. Well, fingers crossed. So yeah, it's, it's both surface level and it's not because like I said, they, they all got to fit on one page. So the maximum length is like 450 words mm. per. And when I say that it's something that happened on this day, it's usually that is that quite often ends up being one little anchor for a much bigger story. You know, I was just editing one about Sir Walter Raleigh and mm. The, the day that I used was the day that he was let out of the Tower of London the second time, but it kind of covered most of his life from the time that he was banging Elizabeth, the first lady in waiting and gotten shit for that and sent to the Tower of London the first time <laughs> to being falsely implicated in a plot to overthrow James the first to fucking up the Spanish Armada, to, you know, sh- bad shit going down in Venezuela, to finally getting his head chopped off. So there's like, you know, decades of stuff mm-hmm. crammed into one into one thing. So that that's quite often. And other times it really is very tight and focused on one mm. day. But but so it's it's surface level in a lot of ways, but in other ways I do try to that at the same time gives me the freedom to cut to the heart of something because it's like, all right, what is the most important statement that I can say about this type of thing that really drives home a a certain viewpoint about the way that humans have behaved towards each other throughout history over and over again. And the answer to that is terribly, we've been fucking terrible to each other. We're we're terrible (laughs) to each other. Well, Dante always makes fun of me and watching all my true crime because it's just, it's just endlessly, fascinating and horrifying the what dredges people- <laughs> of humanity and the shit we can do to each other right? <laughs> it's just awful <laughs> well and you know you were talking about being an enemy at the manosphere one of the things 
that uh, I, I consider it a, a chronic failure of humanity is that we, no matter the location on earth or the time period, repeatedly throughout history over and over and over again, with the rarest of exceptions, men have kept women down. That is, patriarchy is the most pervasive thing in human history across the entire planet. And, you know, there will be people that say, well, what about, you know, this queen or that egalitarian society and, and blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know what? Reverence of women is not matriarchy. Equality is not matriarchy. Matriarchy is women treating men the same way that we have historically treated them. Mm-hmm. There, it is almost in, unheard of in human history, there, with the rarest of exceptions, where the women were actually in charge and telling the men what to do and treating them like shit. That, that almost never happens. That, that's one of the things that you will see is, is a pervasive theme throughout all of those history stories. And because I write about it, I mean, I've throughout my, my writing for the past several years, most of my readers have become women, partially because, you know, I was against body shaming and, and battling against sexism in the industry and stuff like that. But now with the, the history that that's continued and, and one of the things I, I really like writing about, which are almost always the most popular posts are these badass women. Uh, <laughs> so whenever there's, I think one of my most popular ones was um, her name was Helen Hulick. And she's the woman that back in, I think it was 1938, somewhere in the 1930s in Los Angeles, was a witness for the prosecution uh, because her house had been broken into and she wore pants to court. Mm-hmm. And the judge freaked out uh, because mm-hmm. you know, how dare a woman wear pants in court. And she was like, fuck you. <laughs> and, and ended up getting sent to jail because she refused to wear a dress in court. And because, so that because was impersonating a man was illegal. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't even impersonating a man. She's just like, I'm wearing pants. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That was uh, that piece was really popular, and there's um, my piece about uh, Mae West, of course, was really popular uh, because it was a it, it was a it was a bit of history that people didn't know. The thing about Mae West, her first Broadway play that she not only starred in but wrote and directed and produced, um, was called Sex, and so you had all these puritanical thinking religious wingnuts in 1923, I believe it was, that got her shut down and got her arrested. And they said that, that, okay, you can pay this small fine or you can do 10 days in jail. And she said, fuck you, send me to jail. (laughs) (laughs) Because she wanted to make a statement. And so they let her out after eight days. And the first thing she did, again, this was the 1920s, um, after she got out was do another play that was um, about gay people. And so she was, she was a real brave advocate for the LGBT community back when that type of shit could, you know, get you thrown in jail. Mm -hmm. And, and so that was, that was another piece that was really popular. And my piece about Annie Oakley and Marie Curie, those those ones blew up pretty big too. So the, the ones that are the least popular are the, 
battles that were um, the turning point battles of history, right. the, you know, Battle of Marathon type of stuff and Salamis and Battle of Siege of Vienna and those type of things. These were, these were military engagements that had a major influence on the direction that history took afterward. But people don't care. <laughs> I mean, my, well, my well, women don't care. care. <laughs> if, if most of if most of your of your followers are women. They're like, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah Tell you me know, more about that, May West fine. and how cool she is. Yeah, and, and that's fine. I mean, I I try to do a broad spectrum of history. It's like, yeah, there there were there was an important battle on this day, so I'm I'm going to write about it. But I certainly the the military stories are are not that frequent. I do prefer, well, and most of the readers prefer a more human interest talking about one or two people at a certain event, as opposed to, you know, some big military engagement and why it was won because of, you know, strategic positioning and timing, weather, weather has been a big one actually, or whatever, because they tricked somebody. It's like, yeah, okay. That kind of stuff has been done a lot anyway, but I, I figured the book needed some of them. So there are some in there. But I think that's what really brings history to life for a lot of people are the personal stories, the stories that you don't hear about in school, the ones that aren't in the textbooks, mm -hmm. the ones where people think of history as so dusty and boring mm -hmm. because a lot of it is, it is sort of the, the grand battles and major events, but it's, it's the stories of individuals that really brings it to life, I think. And that's yeah. a lot of what, what you bring is finding these obscure characters sometimes, or mm -hmm. what you, something that you thought, somebody you thought you knew. And this, like the one that sticks out to me is the mother Teresa. Yeah, that one, like, that that was, one got some that was, bad. Sure. that was bad. Do you, do you Yo, I remember that. Did you get a lot of, of pushback on that oh, when yes. it came out? Um, the, the comments were very polarized. There were people that, that loved it, that either they didn't know the story, but they believed what I wrote. And they're like, wow, this is awesome. Thanks. Others knew the story and thanked me for bringing it into the public eye. Not that I, you know, others had done it before me. I was just putting my own creative sweary spin on it. I was not <laughs> the person that broke this story about Mother Teresa not being all, you know, that many think she is. And then there were others that were very upset. I mean, a lot of them were, were staunch Catholics as well. Uh, but, you know, some weren't. Some were not religious at all. They just didn't like me bashing you know someone that, that is considered a saint by the catholic church right so yeah there was that one went really big there was about a half a million people that read that post wow. and there were well over a thousand comments and you know i i try to read all the comments i did read most of them um just because i don't reply to them doesn't mean i didn't read them but there was there was some fiery debates in the comments for sure <laughs> the you know a lot of people say that and I don't take offense to this, that they say that the best part of my page isn't my writing. It's what happens in the comments. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to take pride in that because I'm the one that built that community. So yeah, sure. That's awesome. <laughs> there are some, I got some pretty funny commenters on the page. That's for sure. I, that I can attest to that. That is true. And I, you know, usually I try to avoid comments cause I just get angry, but yeah. it's, it is funny to to watch people go back and forth. And that is a special talent to be able to 
ignite that kind of debate, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you want, you know, you don't want meh. We have enough meh. You want that uh, spirited conversation well, and that, just see what people have to say. And that built that I'm sure that builds the community for you because people are coming. They're not just staying for the article. They're spending that much more time and, and are more likely to come back because, you know, they like what you're writing, but obviously the kind of debate that you inspire, right? Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's it's kind of an echo chamber, which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing, because when the others, when it's a really hot button issue that talks about, you know, people's right to exist and things like that, the other side is fucked up. We don't need to, we don't need to <laughs> yeah. engage with their opinions. If you're saying, you know, uh, something terrible, terribly bigot, bigoted in some way, then you know what? No, we don't have to welcome your ideas and debate them in the marketplace of ideas or whatever. Go fuck yourself. You come to my page and you spew some type of sexist or bigoted dumbassery, you're going to get eaten alive and you're mm -hmm. going to deserve it. <laughs> and and it's I, I warn people in the pin post in my page that that you know these are these are what we believe on this page that you know. Um, sexism is bad. Feminism is good. You know, bigotry is bad. Vaccines are good. That type of stuff. And saying that, that if you come to this page spewing bad ideas, you aren't going to like what happens next. And, yeah, exactly. and so when people get smacked down, I'm going to let it happen because they're asking for it. They can always dirty delete or, or run away and cry or block the page or, or whatever. <laughs> I'm, they don't have to engage. <laughs> Speaking of asking for it, you know, it's, it's great. You even just build in your own segues. <laughs> I would like to talk about the Manosphere Burn heard round the world. <laughs> Which one? There's been and, a few. And, and again, I love, it's sort of, it's so, it's so lovely how it goes together because it includes fitness and misogynistic bullshit and it's kind of made history. So it's all of those things. And it was a Twitter post by Rich Cooper, yeah. who was talking about how he couldn't understand why women wanted to get shredded, get, yeah, get have, shredded have abs. abs. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. And what happened to that? Just incidentally. So Rich Cooper, unfortunately, is actually quite popular. Um, he's yeah, got a, it is a unfortunate. Pretty, pretty big social media presence. From what I understand, he was actually quite a successful entrepreneur in a sleazy industry. It was like debt collection. Yeah, something something like that. So you know, to, as, as soon as I, I saw what how he made his money, I was like, yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> I need a shower. Uh, he's got a popular YouTube channel where he gives out dating advice and something called entrepreneurs with cars or something like that. But he made he made a shit, and I didn't follow the guy. I didn't even know the guy existed. And I actually so, sent it to you. <laughs> oh, you were the one that sent it. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. a lot of the, a lot of times people do send these things to me, and so thank you for that because oh, that got welcome. me a lot of new that got me a lot of new followers. <laughs> yeah, you're. <laughs> you know what? We'll go. We'll go for a drink when the, when the, on the inauguration day, and we're all allowed to travel. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so Beatrice sent it to me, and it was a post that said that describing how women who have abs look like look like men or some shit, and and he said. Men don't want no, that. No man in history, uh, I don't know the exact words, but it was no man in history has ever wanted a woman with abs. Right. So one of the things that I like to do when I'm 
burning some douchebag like that <laughs> is is repeat their words back to them um, in a way that that can just flush their stupid idea down the toilet. And so I, he had used the words, no man in history has ever wanted a woman, something, something. And so I said, hi, historian here. Uh, And I think I said, I'm quite certain that no woman in history has ever wanted you, (laughs) uh, wanted, wanted you or something like that. It was just short and sweet. And, uh, and it did okay on Twitter. Uh, It got a lot more likes than his original post did, but I screen capped it and put it over on my Facebook, which is, I have a much bigger, more engaged following on Facebook. And then it took on a life of its own. It ended up on Yahoo. Yes. It was uh, was scary. Mommy did it. Uh, It went huge on Reddit. Yeah. Front page Um, of Reddit. It was front page of Reddit. Yeah. It was like 65,000 upvotes or something like that. <laughs> but then other, other professionals, male and female started weighing in, Hey, biologist here, pretty sure that, yes. you know, no. And, and, or, and there was an astronomer. Yeah, there the was... astronomer one was good. Um, he said, no one in the known universe would want you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was like was a paleontologist. Oh, the paleontologist <laughs> one was great. Yeah. Uh, she said that my entire team has been digging uh, what was it for to see if we could find someone who fucking asked you or something yeah, like yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> there were so many. It, tur- it turned into a thing, like a, this this theme that all these you know, cre- high English professor here um, or liter- professor of English literature. There, there's been no no character it, that would ever no female character that would want you is at all believable or something like yeah. that. <laughs> this went on and on and on. It was great. <laughs> and complete silence from the other side. Complete silence. He did block me. Oh, so. yay. That's, that's okay. I'll just keep sending you screen caps of stuff. <laughs> yeah, because he actually, he has a book out now also. Mm-hmm. And oh, and doesn't he have alpha male in the title? Yeah, the unplugged alpha is oh, called. <laughs> and, and we actually spent a couple of episodes on our own podcast because he was sending out a chapter of the red flags to avoid when dating women. Yeah. And we, we spent two episodes just mm-hmm. ripping them apart yeah. because it's just, it, because it was just so gross. And it, and it was, it, it, it deserved a real pulling apart yeah. and really piece by piece, just going, this is misogynistic bullshit being wrapped up as advice to young men. And it's just going to, it's going to get them nowhere. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just, and so you know, you taking that tweet, tw- Twitter's kind of a bit of a dark place. You do really well there. I'm, I'm, I'm there every day with the, like, oh my God, there it is. There it is. There's my, my tweet for the day. But <laughs> yeah, send me more of those. <laughs> I absolutely will. But you know, it's a bit of a dark place. And mm-hmm. there, I find Twitter is probably where most of the manosphere shit appears, mm-hmm. right. And gets retweeted and all, and, and, and then, and then there you are. <laughs> <laughs> to put you know to 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 throw the match on the fire it's, love it yeah it's great so so that was kind of cool there was a, a list that came out i think i think it was posted on your facebook as well the top 30 most scathing comebacks some e-cards i think posted that and you were number yeah. one and number four on that list <laughs> yeah what would the other one was some guy that uh... he'd never met a feminist where he'd walked away saying that person's ha- a happy person. And your response was that's quite the self own because each one in each one of those cases, the last 
person they had met was you. Like that was, <laughs> yes. of course they're not happy. Right? <laughs> so it, was, it was really, really, I believe that was I, I refer to as the common denominator in all these interactions is they just met you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was good. So I, I don't, how do you explain the following size for these guys? Like I, you know, we unfortunately stumbled over it, you know, in the summertime and oh. it's, it's, it's really, it's disconcerting of how large of a following it is. And I'm just, I'm wondering if you, you've been writing, you had been writing about it for a bit and, and owning them for a long time. What have you sort of gotten from that? Well, why that's well, so popular? It, this goes back to, you know, the earliest of humanity. A lot of it can be, if not explained, at least addressed by a, a famous quote by science fiction author, Robert Heinlein, who, you know, he was kind of a weird guy and had his issues, but the quote is, um, Let's see if I can remember it verbatim. You can sway a thousand men by appealing to their prejudices easier than you can convince one man by logic. Hmm. So as soon as you start, you know, how the hell did Trump get 75 million votes in the last election by appealing to people's prejudices? And, you know, it wasn't because he was intelligent or had cogent, convincing, logical arguments. He just made people's innate bigotry okay and uh, and so a lot of people for a lot of people that really appealed to them and that dates back to you know the earliest evolution of humanity the uh i'm writing about this now where you know i talked about the chronic failure of us as a species always keeping women down we did the same thing uh, another chronic failure is is bigotry. You know, we we embraced it, and the reason why we did was because it was a survival strategy. Uh, you look at if you were to take three different types of tribes of humans, and one is incredibly violent, where they just kill everything, including themselves. Well, that's not going to be a successful tribe. So scratch that one. Now we've got two other tribes left, and one is all peace, love, hippie type of stuff when it comes to just themselves. But if you're outside the tribe, they will ghost your ass. And then you've got the other tribe, which is all peace and love, but to everybody, not just within their tribe, but outside their tribe, they're all peace and love as well. What happens when those two tribes meet? The one that is going to ghost the foreigner is the one that survives. They're going to they're gonna kill the nonviolent ones and take over. And I mean, that's, that's a gross oversimplification, but that is, you know, the survival of the fittest mentality is the mean motherfuckers are the ones that are going, that can bond together as their own group and use that, that tight bond of self-protection to go out and, and waste other people and, you know, steal their food, steal their women, et cetera, et cetera are the ones that grow and thrive and end up essentially ruling the planet. It's uh, the ones that are the most effective killers and the most effective conquerors are the ones that that's the legacy that we've had. And it's been bred into our genes from millennia ago that we are born to hate and it doesn't take much to get us to want to hate someone else. If they're, if they, 
if they don't follow these made up rules that we have about the way that our specific society is supposed to operate the way that we think, then we can just point at them and use them as a common enemy to further make our personal group more cohesive and better at survival and conquering. Now we're, we're slowly growing out of that in some ways and in some parts of the world, because again, it's becoming more as the world becomes more interconnected and more interdependent, it's becoming more of an evolutionary advantage to, uh, to not be bigoted douchebags. I mean, once we discover that, hey, women are just as smart as we are and just as capable as we are, we can be doing a lot more by letting them be an equal contributor to the success of our species, then that we're starting to realize that that becomes an advantage. Now, this is not long enough for any type of actual genetic changes through evolution in terms of our DNA. But in the terms of the, the way that we use our brains, we are by far the most intelligent species on the planet. And fuck dolphins. Dolphins are actually not that smart. <laughs> we, we are an incredibly intelligent, adaptable, malleable species that has the cognitive capability to reason and see that all of our bigoted bullshit is just that it's bullshit and and move into a more enlightened future but you also got your fucking troglodyte trump voters that hold <laughs> on to that ancient dna mm -hmm. like a life preserver and consider hate the same as oxygen they can't live without it that was quite the tirade wasn't it <laughs> yeah it was, it was fantastic it's good it's well good. i just i it's funny because the the manosphere guys and the and the trump voters that you're talking about are almost inextricably linked yeah that venn diagram has a lot uh, of overlap there, yeah, <laughs> there, it, it, it almost just looks like a two-colored circle <laughs> yeah pretty much and you know it's they would like for us to reverse about 70 years mm -hmm. and just put everything the way that was um and it's just such a it's just such a crazy thing because a lot of these guys are in, I mean, Rich Cooper's in his mid to late forties, but a lot of these guys like Anthony Johnson, the head of the 21 convention, that oh, fucking guy, um, <laughs> he's in his twenties. And, and the thing is, is that you don't even know what the fifties was like, bro. Like yeah. you haven't even done your research. And the thing is, there was a lot of fucking trauma that men went through too. Like we talk a lot about that toxic masculinity and how it doesn't just hurt women. It hurts men too. And the thing is that they don't realize they, they blame women for their current state of affairs, mm -hmm. not realizing actually you should be blaming other men for not allowing you to really be who it is that you want to be. And got that, that Johnson guy like that. I, I look, he has the deadest eyes. <laughs> ever yeah. seen. He's got like Stephen Miller eyes. Yes. Like, uh, or the fucking Hannibal Lecter. Yes, <laughs> it's yeah. frightening. He's one of the guys that, that blocked me on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So, but I'm so, I'm so lucky because he screenshots all of his tweets and puts them on his Instagram <laughs> page because he's lazy as fuck. And he posted something on Instagram the other day where it was basically a takeoff of Make America Great Again. And he introduced it by saying, America's women are fatter than they've ever been. Make American women thin again. Yeah. He's well, he had that conference. Make the 21 women convention. Oh, oh yeah, the, well, 22 he, the 22 convention. The 22. 
Yeah, that was another. I I wrote a blog post about that. I, what did I call it? The, the most the vagina, most vagina drying, drying conference <laughs> ever, and uh, that yeah, ended up getting covered in the uh, the New York Post. Wrote about it. <laughs> they they wrote about my article in the New York Post, calling it the most vagina drying conference ever. Yeah, it was something you know, m- men telling women, shitty men telling women how to be feminine and how to please shitty men. Like it was just, it was, you know, these male speakers promising to up women's femininity by 300%. It's just like, bro, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And the conference, it was supposed to be last May and then it got postponed because of COVID. And I believe they held it in October. in October. Yeah. And I tried to get some information out of it to see, did any women actually show up who weren't there to report on what a misogynistic catastrophe it was? And, and it, I don't know, like it, it's the, I didn't see any photos that there were rooms full of women that were there to, you know, just dying for this information me types that were there to lap it up. I don't think, <laughs> I don't know that anybody actually went to that thing. <laughs> I think I think we picked WAP over the vagina drying yeah. Stepford <laughs> wife convention. <laughs> Choose uh. WAP, everybody. Choose WAP. <laughs> well, listen, I thank you so much for taking the time today to speak with us. It was really a, a treat to be able to to talk with you about about the this day in history shit went down and and what brought you to that. I'm jazzed it's that that it's going to be a book next year yeah, it's, well there's not only that but i'm gonna do two years worth so oh, wow. uh wow it to uh the first year finishes april 17th mark your calendars a- april 17th Woo-hoo. story is a fucking kick-ass story about three amazing women mm. um nice. that uh that you'll love and then april 18th year two begins and uh, and so there will be two volumes of the book i've got i'm not doing three years <laughs> but, <laughs> for now but but two years, two years, I will definitely do, and then I'll I'll be moving on to writing some other history stuff. But mm. the uh, the thing is, I'm I'm done switching through genres. You know, there was so much bullshit in fitness and self help that uh, I realized it wasn't really a genre that I belonged in. I mean, I, I I did what I what I wanted to do, but it wasn't a, a genre that really appreciates hard facts and critical analysis. <laughs> Whereas in history, it, it does, mm-hmm. you know, because people, people aren't reading history necessarily to change something about themselves. Um, they're, they're just reading it largely for informative and entertainment value. So I'm bringing a certain specific opinion that informs and entertains. And, uh, you know, as, as we've seen it, it th- this is the, the most readers I've ever had was mm-hmm. within the last year from switching to history. So I have no, no intention of stopping doing that. I, ha- I have many books rolling around in my brain as well <laughs> as uh, I'm looking at at some point to, uh, to try my hand at, at writing a, a history-based novel mm-hmm. of... Uh, an idea, but uh, so I, I wrote a history story about a, a badass woman pirate who actually existed, and uh, and I think she would make a great uh, a great character for a novel. So I might end up doing that. Maybe Charlize Theron will play her in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so how can people find you, James? Uh, really, the best place where all the action is is my Facebook page, which okay. still has the old fitness moniker. So uh, facebook.com slash body for wife. Okay. Nice. So we'll put, B-O-D- we'll put a link in. Yeah. 
And, uh, and you have I'm a also, Patreon also, now. Yes, yes. The uh, And that's, wow, I was really surprised at how well that took off. Um, yeah. Within the first 12 hours, I was apparently a top 3% earner. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Yeah, wow. I was, oh I was thrilled and gratified at how many people wanted to subscribe and it continues to go up and that's uh, patreon.com slash james fell and there, there's a number of different levels uh, if someone just wants to contribute to help keep the column free for everyone when i started the patreon the goal was to be able to continue to write this column um, and keep it free for everyone. I didn't want to make it subscribers only. And there's been a lot of people that have done that. But if you only pay $2 a month, I have a master document of links to all, it's got to be almost 250 published pieces. So for only two bucks, you can get uh, links to every single one that's already been published. I threw my old master's thesis on there. And uh, <laughs> nice. there's, there's a a, a level called brain dump where I'm actually doing a lot of other writing that the only place it appears is is Patreon, and I'm that's the vast majority of subscribers are at the the brain dump level, and I actually just put a three thousand word piece on there today, so there's nice. uh, there's lots okay. more down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two dollars to keep it free for everyone. That's very Canadian of you. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised. People were very generous. They're very altruistic. They were mm-hmm. interested in, in the, you know, the ones that could afford to pay were happy to do so, so that others that couldn't afford could keep reading. So I was, I was very happy that the type of followers I had were that generous. Yeah. Fantastic. That's amazing. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. Thank you very much, James, for taking the time. It was, uh, it Thanks. was, awesome it was a lot of fun. Up. Thanks so much. Speak soon. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So I hope you all enjoyed listening to that episode as much as we enjoyed making it. How can people find us, Dante? Well, you can go to our website, cheatingonfear.com. Send us an email, info at cheatingonfear.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at cheatingonfear. And we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash cheatingonfear. Yeah, it really helps us out if you can leave us a review and share the episode with somebody that you think might enjoy it. Thank you, everyone. See you next time. See you soon.